0: This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and the internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. If you worked all day and someone else came and worked just one hour, would you be upset with your employer if he paid you both the same wage for the day? Stay with us and find out how Jesus answered that question. Here's Pastor Steve Kramer with today's message, The Prevailing Church, It's a Grace Place.
1: Today we're going to discuss grace and how amazing and important it really is in our lives. I hope you'll stay with us as we continue our sermon series, The Prevailing Church. We begin our worship service in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we praise you for your goodness and grace. Through your Holy Word, help us to better understand you and your plan for our lives. Amen. Our reading for today is from Matthew chapter 20. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I'll give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last, Jesus said. Dear friends, what would you say are the important ingredients that make for a thriving prevailing church. Some might respond with answers such as good relevant preaching, excellent music, inspiring worship, strong leadership, and good programming. Well, Jesus has an interesting answer to that question in today's text. We have before us uh, a parable from Jesus. Jesus is told it as part of his response to a question that Peter, his disciple, asked. Remember, Peter is the disciple to whom Jesus said after his strong confession of faith in Christ, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. A few verses prior to our parable for today, Peter asked Jesus a question. After a rich young man has just walked away from Jesus because he refused to give up all he had to follow Christ, and Peter asked Jesus, What then shall we have? We've left everything to follow you. In other words, we've made sacrifices, Lord. We were the first to follow you. So what's our reward? Surely not the same as the rest who come after us. It strikes me as a selfish and prideful question. It exposes a lack of understanding of Jesus and of life in God's kingdom. Well, Jesus is gentle with Peter. He doesn't scold him or berate him in front of the others. He assures him that he'll be taken care of. And he also says, everyone who has left behind everything to follow me will inherit eternal life. And then he concludes his response with this curious little statement. But many who are first shall be last and the last first. What do you suppose he meant by that? Will there be surprises at the end? He follows that statement up with the parable about overturned expectations, about surprises. That's what we see here, isn't it? When the early workers who put in a full shift see the ones who worked only an hour paid the same as them at the end of the day, they were surprised, and not only surprised, but resentful about it. They didn't like this at all. They thought they should receive more, a bonus. They deserved more. After all, they'd worked hard, even through the heat of the day. One of them even complained out loud to the employer on behalf of the others. You've made these last ones who only worked an hour equal to us, who have worked through the heat of the day. That's not right. Not fair. The employer's response is kind to the complainer. He says, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. I gave you as we agreed upon, didn't I? take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. It's not really any of your business. What I choose to do with what belongs to me. Or do you begrudge my generosity? This statement literally reads in the original language, is your eye bad because I am good? In other are you jealous because I'm good, generous? And then, Jesus sums it up again with this same proverb he used earlier, so the last will be first and the first last. It appears that his kingdom is all upside down, surprising and shocking to the natural senses. We're showing the ordinary expectations of the world being totally overturned, thrown out the window. Admit it, aren't you just a little sympathetic towards those earlier workers? Imagine yourself, for instance, sitting in the doctor's office for an hour, waiting to be seen. You've seen many people come after you and sit down, and suddenly the nurse comes out and says, the doctor will see the person who came through the door last, first. You wouldn't like that at all, would you? Neither would I. Aren't you even just a little bit shocked by the way this employer operates his business in this story? Well, that's exactly the purpose of most of the parables Jesus tells, to surprise us and shock us and challenge our thinking. This parable gives us an interesting picture of God. You see, we could really entitle this story The Kind Employer or The Generous Employer, couldn't we? Jesus is giving us a glimpse of his Heavenly Father. He's the kind, generous employer. He operates as he sees, sees fit, with, with grace, and generosity, unmerited favor towards the undeserving. We see that kingdom principles are different from the world's principles and wisdom that teach you get what you earn. When it comes to forgiveness and salvation in heaven, though, God operates totally by grace. It's a good thing. Not one of us is capable of being good enough to earn our way into heaven. Try as we may, we will always fall short. While we were lost in our sin, God exercised saving grace towards us through the cross and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. We'd have been lost without grace. The grace of God, you see, is the central point of the parable. Jesus paints us a story picture of a generous, mind-boggling employer. The unmerited favor of God's grace. This story contrasts our, our human calculations with shocking and undeserved generosity with this unbounded and energetic goodness that simply reaches out in blessing even to those who don't deserve it. That's God's way. He operates with grace. And so Peter's question of, Lord, what reward is it? Is there for me and the others is answered with a picture of God's amazing, astounding grace to all who follow him. You might consider this a summons to all disciples of Jesus, to those of us in his church, to abandon the petty worldly selfish calculations that can fill our minds and break up our churches we need to put that aside and instead celebrate God's generous grace in our lives and the lives of other believers no matter how much later they might come to faith even if it's on their deathbed grace is to be celebrated Proclaimed with joy and practiced in our ministry together. That can be a bit of a challenge for us. We still have a bit of pride and ego and selfishness in every one of us. It's a simple fact that people regularly understand and appreciate God's grace as applied to themselves. But they resent seeing it applied to others sometimes. I guess that's just our human nature at work, our sinful self. And Jesus knows that about us. Notice how his parable really concentrates on the exact number of hours worked and on the hope of payment cherished by those early workers as they compare themselves with others. All these details may be artificial, but they effectively build a pattern of expectation in the story, don't they? The thinking of the early workers who have to wait till last is we should get more than the others. We worked longer and harder. They don't deserve what they're getting. Instead of celebrating the employer's generosity, they complain about it. The parable is a grand reversal of our normal values and way of thinking. Of course, this parable is not told as a recipe for workplace peace. Of course not. The unions would be up in arms if any employer acted like that Today as they should. But this parable has nothing to do with the workplace. It's about life, the kingdom of God. It's about eternal matters like salvation and forgiveness. And Jesus tells it with the intention of showing the principle by which God receives people into his kingdom. It's by grace alone. This caring and loving God in Christ Jesus is looking for workers in his kingdom. He blesses them all the same with forgiveness and life and salvation. And that's mighty good news because not one of us deserves that. Jesus seems to be teaching those of us in the church that length of service and hours of toil constitute no special claim on God. Because the truth is we're all equally undeserving of so large a sum as a denarius at the end of the day. You know, in the story, all were standing around in the marketplace, hoping to be offered employment so they'd be able to feed their family at the end of the day. I mean, it was hard times. Anybody would have just loved to have a job. And all are given it by this kind, generous employer in our story. It's grace. Therefore, in the church, there are to be no special rankings or jealousies or competitions before God. We're to understand that nobody can claim eternal membership in the kingdom of God. The the truth is we're all beggars in God's sight. We're all standing around hopeless until the master graciously calls us into the vineyard to work for him. All of us are recipients of God's grace. and That's an important message for those of us in Christ's church. Church is to be a grace place. We're all saved by grace. Not one of us can claim we deserve to belong to his kingdom. We learn from this story there's no place for personal pride or contempt or jealousy or comparison or competition in the church of Jesus Christ. To one and all, this parable is presenting a firm rebuttal of all that. It puts us in our place, telling us that one's standing in the kingdom of God does not depend on our merit in any way whatsoever or length of time. It, It depends on the unmerited favor of the only one who is ultimately good and who accepts all who could never be good. We live and have God's salvation and life by grace alone. And our attitude is to be, we're just blessed to be a part of it. That's the truth we in the church are to trust in and live by in our life together as the family of Christ. That's where the emphasis is always to be. If we are to be a thriving and prevailing church, that message of grace alone. We are to be about the business of celebrating God's generosity and grace, not only in our personal lives, but also in the lives of one another. Wanting everyone to get in on that grace. And that, my friends, is the kind of church Jesus had in mind when he talked of a prevailing, thriving church. At the gates of hell should, could not stand up before. A community that trusts God's grace and lives by God's grace filled with rescued people who are just plain glad for the privilege of serving God and being a part of the family knowing that not one of us deserves the privilege of having a sweet spirit a grateful and loving environment in which we celebrate God's grace in our lives and remind each other of it constantly and then happily proclaim it to a world that needs it. A church like that (laughs) leads to a whole lot of peace and joy for all those who are its members. Peace and joy like you've never experienced. And it leads to a Church that prevails and thrives and is strong and attracts others in to receive God's grace. Grace is an attraction. God's grace. I'd like to conclude this message with a thought provoking insight that relates to this. It's from noted author and pastor John Stott, and he writes these words in his book, The Living Church. We cannot proclaim the gospel of God's love with any degree of integrity if we do not exhibit it in our generous love for fellow kingdom workers. Perhaps nothing is so damaging to the cause of Christ as a church which is either torn apart by jealousy, rivalry, slander, malice, or preoccupied with its own selfish concerns. The church is to be God's new society, the living embodiment of the gospel, a sign of the kingdom of God, a demonstration of what human community looks like when it comes under his gracious rule. Christians need to look like what they're talking about. What communicates these days is basically personal authenticity friend. May we, the Church of Jesus Christ, be a community that celebrates and values God's grace towards each one of us and then faithfully shares that message of God's grace with the world around us. That is a church that will thrive and prevail. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your grace. May we humbly claim it for ourselves and celebrate it with others and proclaim it to the world around us. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen.
0: You've been worshiping with the radio and Internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Christian Crusaders continues to be of vital importance to the spiritual needs of many who listen. Your prayers and financial considerations help make this program possible. Address your gifts to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Or phone us toll free at 1-888-MY-FAITH. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. Or visit us on the internet, christiancrusaders.org. It's a convenient and secure way to support this ministry with your credit card. We thank all those who support this ministry with their prayers and gifts. If you'd like to listen to today's message again, you can find it on one of three podcasts. The first podcast, called the CC Broadcast, is where weekly services are archived. The second podcast, called the CC Podcast Conversations, is where we archive inspiring interviews with interesting Christians, such as gangster and murderer Ron Gruber, and NFL football player from the University of Iowa, Ike Boddicker, and other interesting and inspiring interviews. The third podcast, called the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, is where we host our daily Bible overview with six-minute devotions. These podcasts can be subscribed to on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and others. You'll find links to them at our website, christiancrusaders.org. Living the Jesus Life series features Pastor Steve Kramer's 15 sermons that take a closer look at the book of Philippians and what the Apostle Paul wanted us to know about living the life God wants for us in His Son. If you enjoyed the series and want to read or listen again, or for the first time, contact us at Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. We have the complete series available in print or audio versions for a suggested donation of $25 or more. For more information, call us at 319-277-0924 or visit our webpage, christiancrusaders.org. You've been worshiping with Christian Crusaders and we pray you'll join us again next week on this station. Conducting today's service was our speaker, Pastor Steve Kramer. Christian Crusaders has been broadcasting and podcasting Biblical Truth since 1936.